on Thursday to, for Oklahoma City. And um, last week, if you were here, I referenced my sister who's got three kids marrying my, my now brother-in-law who's got four kids. And I didn't say at the time because I couldn't, but they had arranged an um, engagement party for all their friends to come. And, and what they didn't tell all their friends was I flew in and performed a wedding at their engagement party. So, um, so I, you know, hey, we're glad Mel's here. And your pastor had to lie to people about it, why I was flying in. So I repented and we're good. But um, um, so anyway, I flew out on Thursday, flew back yesterday, and I spent like 37 hours in Oklahoma City. And uh, anyway, it's lots of time on an airplane, all that kind of good stuff, but that's part of the holidays. But I am so glad to be back. Um, I didn't visit home. I, I didn't visit home. I came home uh, because this is home, and I love you guys. So, uh, biggest crybaby ever. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. That's good. You're going to make me cry more, so be quiet. Stop talking. Um, <laughs> a couple of things I want us to talk about real quick before we get into the message today. Number one, this week is the week that, that we have uh, set aside some spaces here in our community to ring bells. And, and maybe you haven't felt inclined to sign up yet, but I want to encourage you. We still have spots available. I would love for you just to pick a time. Go by. Uh, there's a table out here by uh, on your left side before you leave. Stop by there and just find a space that we can partner with the Salvation Army and ring bells this, uh, this holiday season. So this week, we've got some times from 3 to 8 p.m., and we would love for you to take a one-hour block. And maybe it's you and your kids go out and ring bells. Uh, maybe it's you and your whole family. Maybe it's some of the people from your small group, whatever it might be. We'd love for you to go out and just represent our church and represent God really well in our community. And just what a great way to give back. And, and it's, it's an easy way to go out there and ring a bell and just to be nice to people and, and smile and greet them. So we would love for you to do that. Uh, my family and I, we're going to do that. And if we don't have more people sign up, my, my family and I might be doing it a lot this next week. So, uh, so sign up and keep my girls from having to stand outside Kmart for the next five days. Um, so sign up, help us out with that. It'll be a blessing to you, I can guarantee you. Also, uh, next weekend, so a week from today, next Sunday, um, we are having our family Christmas experience. Uh, and so what that is, if, if you're not familiar, maybe you're new to the church, it's an opportunity for us to highlight our kids' ministry because we have the best kids' ministry around. And if you have kids, you understand that. And so next Next Sunday morning is our family worship experience, so they're going to be doing their, their uh, production, but it's just going to be an opportunity for us to celebrate our kids, celebrate our, our, the season we're in, and so I want to encourage you, next week is not a throwaway week, okay? Next week is not a week I'm going on vacation, because I'm going to be here. In fact, uh, Mary, who, she's fantastic. She's my favorite part of the whole play, so be here next Sunday morning. Let's support our kids' ministry. Bring your families out. It'll just be a good time to celebrate what God is doing, so be here next Sunday morning for that. And then also don't forget, on Christmas Eve, we've got two worship experiences at 5.30 p.m. and 7 p.m. And we would love for you to bring your family out to this event. And you go, Mel, we have normal holiday uh, traditions. And normally on Christmas Eve, we go to my parents' house. Well, this year, bring your parents to Christmas Eve at the summit, okay? Uh, bring them here. Let's worship together. Let's worship our Savior. And let's have a great time. I promise we're going to get you in and get you out quickly, but it's going to be impactful, and we're going to have a great time together. So do not miss Christmas Eve here at the summit. We're in a series right now, it's an Advent series, and I've told you this, but Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, and it means the arrival, or preparing for the arrival. And in, we're in week three of, of this series, and really what this series is about is not just the arrival of Jesus, not just the celebration of his birth, because I'm thankful for that, but also, I'm also thankful that we 
serve a savior that is coming back for his kingdom, for his back, coming back for his people. Uh, he's coming back for his bride. And so we're, we're celebrating his birth. We're also celebrating his return, that someday he's coming back for us. And it's something to look forward to. And I've referenced this verse to you uh, over the last couple of weeks, but in Mark chapter 13, Jesus tells his, his followers, he said, it's almost like this man has a house and he gives all of his servants responsibilities. He says, I'm coming back. And then some of the servants fall asleep and the master returns. And so Jesus says in Mark 13, 37, what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. And it's like Jesus is saying that to us today. Stay awake. My return is going to be sooner than you think. My return is going to be when you're not expecting it. So stay awake. Be prepared. And so we've talked the last few weeks about how do we stay prepared. We talked about staying prepared through God's peace in our life two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about staying prepared with the love of Christ in our lives and what that looks like. And this week, we're going to be talking about how do we prepare for his, uh, the celebration of his birth, but also how do we prepare for his return through joy. And, and if you've been around for a little while or if you're con consistent at the summit, you, you might remember uh, back at the end of October, we did a series called We Are Family. And at the end of October, uh, and Landon was wearing the shirt and the drum cage. Thank you, Landon, for representing the series. Um, but we did a series called We Are Family. And we talked about all the things that family do together. And at the end of that series on October 26th, we talked about how families have fun together. And we talked about what joy really is. And so we're not repeating that message. But if, if you would like a supplement to the message today, if, if God speaks to you about joy today. I would love for you to go back and listen to that or watch that, that service. It was October 26th that we talked about that. So I won't rehash that message, but really what we're going to talk about today is the joy that comes from a relationship with Jesus, the joy that comes from his birth, and the joy that we should have expecting his return as well. Uh, there was a guy named Elton, um, Elton Trueblood who said this. He said, I don't trust the theology of any person who doesn't laugh. <laughs> Have you ever known a Christian, but they were grumpy and they were sour and they just didn't seem very happy ever at all? And like, why do I want what you got? Like, I want a cure for what you got, you know? Like, that's an epidemic. That's, it's, that's a Ebola virus waiting to happen. I don't want that. Well, what I want is I want to be around people who, who know their God and know the joy of their God, who, who love to laugh, who love to have a good time. And it's not fake and it's not a show, but it comes from deep within them. And that's what joy really is. We see in Proverbs chapter 17, it says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bone. Have you ever been having a bad day and somebody comes along and just gives you the right word or they just, they just encourage you or maybe they, they just tell you a funny story and all of a sudden your day changes and it's like, all right, now I feel better. And that's what this is talking about, that the joy of the Lord, when we distribute that, when we bring that to others, it is medicine for their illness. It, it cures what's going on in them when we distribute the joy of the Lord. And sometimes in the world, we see joy in different ways. And so, a lot of times joy comes from our circumstances circumstances changing. Um, have you ever seen the, uh, the Powerball winner, you know, when they're presenting them that gigantic check and they've got the huge, like, <laughs> like what, you know, have you ever seen anybody that won the Powerball and they're like, $350 million. Great. What am I going to do with this? You know, they got to spend before they even get that gigantic check in their hand, don't they? They're like, I'm quitting my job. I'm, I'm buying the company and firing my boss. Um, you know, <laughs> 
I'm buying a houseboat, but I'm gonna buy a house that can be on a boat next to my houseboat. And they're like going through the ways they can extravagantly spend their money. They are excited. And the reason why that is, is because a lot of times it's not multimillionaires that are winning the lotto. You never see Bill Gates win the lotto. Do you know why? Because he's already got money. He doesn't care. But what happens is people take their, 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 their alimony, their alimony check. I'm sorry. They take their, <laughs> that's a different sermon. <laughs> They take their social security check, they take their unemployment check, and they're going down and they're buying the lotto tickets, right? They're in a tough spot, and they're like, man, I got $20 to my name, and I'm spending it all on Powerball tickets. Like, I'm gonna let it ride, and I'm gonna see what happens here. And they hit the Powerball, like one in 50 bazillion, and they're like, woohoo, because what happened? Their circumstances changed. They're like, I didn't have any money, but now I got some money. And what happens? They've got what they think is joy. Um, have you ever been watching a game? Maybe you are a Steelers fan or a, a Penn State fan or whatever it might be, and you're watching your team, and they are getting beat, and you're like, there's no way they're going to win this game. And then something miraculously happens, the, the immaculate reception, the, you know, something happens, and you're like, oh my gosh, I thought my team had lost, but now they won. And you're like, woohoo, and you're jumping up and down, and you're cheering in your house by yourself, or you're at the game, and you're jumping up and down and hugging a grown man that you don't even know, right? <laughs> what has happened? Well, what you thought was going to be a disappointment has turned into a victory, and, and you've got joy because of that. Does that make sense? So many times in our life, we experience joy when our circumstances change, when we expect one thing, but it turns out differently. I'm a big Cardinals fan, and I'm sorry, I'm working through that. God is helping me, so forgive me. Um, but in 2011, the Cardinals were in the World Series, and my, two of my favorite teams at the time were the Cardinals and the Rangers, and the Cardinals and the Rangers were playing in the World Series. So it's like, like I've got my favorite child, but I also have my other child, and I love them both, but, you know, I'm not going to tell you which one is my favorite, because it depends on the day. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I love them both equally. So I'm watching this game, and it looks like the Cardinals are going to get beat, and it, it's not going well. And I'm just, oh God, I'm disgusted. I'm not, even, I'm not even watching the rest of this game. My wife doesn't even like baseball. And she's like, babe, just watch. Have a little faith. Like, have faith in the St. Louis Cardinals. It seems misplaced. Okay. So I watched a little bit longer, and I was like, oh, base, oh, oh. And all of a sudden, they start rallying, and they hit a home run, and then the Rangers come back, and they hit a home run. And it's like, oh, forget it. Forget, I knew I, was, I shouldn't have done it. And so it's like this. And then the Cardinals win in extra innings. It's, it was like, oh, my gosh, I love this team so much. What's happened? Well, we, our expectations change, right? We expect this, and then it turns, and all of a sudden, it instills us with joy. And it happens in the world, but it happens through Scripture as well. And if you don't believe me, let me read this to you. A famous passage of scripture, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, wait, wait a second, that doesn't sound like a Christmas verse. But it absolutely is a Christmas verse in every way, shape, and form. This is what it says. The wages of sin is death. Now let me ask you this. How many of you have a job? Okay. <laughs> I'm not even going to make a joke here, okay? Um, I'm, I'm glad you have a job. Thank God for your job. Okay. Now, most of you do not work for free at your job, right? Most of you make a wage. And what a wage is, is what you earn for your labor. You work, and because you work, you earn something. And what this verse is saying to us is the wage you earn, the wage I earn for my work, for working my way to heaven, for trying to be good enough, for trying to, to make God like me enough, for me to try and to clean myself up. All that work, all the good deeds I do, everything I do, my church attendance, my small group attendance, ringing the bells for the Salvation Army, all that, the wage for all that, do you know what it is? Death. All of our best efforts, 
The wage you earn for your job, what you earn for your hard work in your Christianity is death. It's like, well, that's pretty depressing, right? Come on. That's not a Christmas message. But then he changes it. He flips it around, and he says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what he does is he says, hey, guess what? You can work as hard as you want. You can try as hard as you want. You can do all the good deeds you want. But it's still going to add up to death if it's not rooted in Christ Jesus. You go, wow, that's not good. And he says, but guess what? The gift that Jesus wants to give to you, you can't even earn. You can't even work hard enough to give it, get it because he's going to give it freely to you. I don't know at your workplace what this looks like, but at Christmas, like all the employees of the summit, uh, our board agreed, and we get all the employees of the summit got a Christmas bonus this year. And, um, and they work really, really hard. And we've got a great staff. We've got an incredible team. So um, like four people are like, that's right. Um, they are. And so we gave them Christmas bonuses. But we made it very clear, this is not part of your wage. You didn't earn this. This is because we just want to give it. This is a gift. All of our employees got a gift, right? And what we tried to help them understand is you agreed to work for a wage, but we've, we're giving you this gift because it's Christmas, we love you, and it's nothing you can do to earn it. And this is what happens, and you might get a Christmas bonus at your job, but we have a wage we're working for, and it is death when we work in ourselves. But when we're connected to Christ, it's life. And this is where joy comes in, because the wage we are working for is death. The life we're living is fruitless apart from Jesus Christ. But when we're rooted in Jesus Christ, it breeds life. So our circumstances have changed. Where once we had death, now we have life. And if that doesn't breed joy in our lives, I don't know what will. If I can get excited about the Cardinals coming back to win the World Series, why in the world should I not get excited that I have eternal life in Christ Jesus, right? Now, if I'd said that about the Pirates, that's different, okay? Because we can get excited about the Pirates, but not the Cardinals. This is what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 9. This is a passage, and we'll refer to this at Christmas Eve as well, but it says in verse 9, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So these shepherds, just doing their job, they're out in the field. And out in the field... Uh, at this time, was different than out in the field. You, you've been out in the country before, maybe in the middle of the night, and it's pretty dark, right? There's no, not a lot of lights around, but there's still ambient light from the cities. At this time, there was no ambient light, right? There, there wasn't Jerusalem lighting up the sky because there was no electricity. So uh, it is dark, and they're watching their sheep. They're making sure nothing creeps in to get them, and they are bundled up. They're probably a little chilly. It's dark. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord shows up. Perfect, brilliant light. Have you ever been, um, like, I mess with my kids sometimes. I know you guys don't mess with your kids. I mess with my kids sometimes. So if it's dark, sometimes I'll, I'll do, like, the, uh, the flashlight app on my phone, like, right in their face. I'll poof, and poof, and, ah, daddy, what are you doing? I'm like, ah, you know, turn it off. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Click, and I'm, ah, daddy, stop it, right? You ever get that bright light in your face? 
when it's dark and it is blinding. Like you can't see anything. You're doing the blink thing. Like you can't even like, oh man, your eyes are adjusting. And I can imagine this is what the shepherds are doing. They're sitting there, they're just minding their own business. And then the most unexpected thing happens. The angel of the Lord shows up in all of his brilliance and all of his splendor. And I can imagine they freaked out a little bit because that is not what they were expecting. He says, hey, hey, don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Because I've got something to tell you. And he says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. He says, I bring you good news. The word that's translated as good news here is also translated as the gospel. It's the same root word. And so when we look at this, it's almost like the angel of the Lord is saying, hey, I've got good news. I'm bringing the gospel to you today the ultimate good news, because Jesus Christ is born. He said, don't be afraid. I, I see where you're at. I see what's going on. You're a shepherd, so you ain't making very much money. You don't have a very good job. Like, there weren't people, kids weren't saying, Daddy, I want to grow up and be a shepherd someday. Like, that just didn't happen. They didn't aspire to that. That's something they settled for. And so he said, I, I see where you're at. I see what's going on. Don't be afraid of your circumstances. You see me, don't be afraid, because I'm bringing the gospel to you today. I've got good news, and I love this. We referred to this last week, but he doesn't just say it's for you. He says, good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for every person. Have you ever been um, left out? Maybe you didn't get invited to the party, or maybe you didn't get picked for the team, or maybe, um, maybe the girl didn't want to go out with you right? And you've been rejected and you're like, golly, I think we've all been at that place at some point in our lives where, where we felt like I'm not part of this. You're on the outside looking in. And what the angel of the Lord says is this is for everyone. I'm, we're throwing the biggest party in the universe and you're all invited. You all get to be part of this. Uh, the, the ultimate game of kickball is being played and God has picked you for his team. Come on. You don't remember that? I was the chubby kid in school, okay? So I remember not being picked for some of the, right? You're getting picked for the team. You were included in this thing. It's not like one of those things where they say, hey, everybody's free, just come on in. And God's not just trying to build a crowd. He is personally inviting you to be part of his team. And there's something incredible about that. Right in the middle, it's tucked away. It says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This is something that goes beyond anything we can really imagine. It's great joy. It goes beyond happiness. It goes beyond surprises. It goes beyond, hey, my son wasn't supposed to come in for, he came in for Christmas. It goes beyond that. It goes beyond the the Christmas bonus. It goes beyond anything like that because it is rooted in eternity. It is not just about something that's temporal. It is something that, that is eternal. And what the angel says here is really important. He says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And the angel refers to Jesus in these three terms. He refers to Jesus as a savior, which is really important. We can't dissect all this today, but he refers to Jesus as the savior, which is really important because the nation of Israel understood what it meant to be saved, what it meant to be rescued, because they've gone through that. And God had rescued them over and over and over and over. And so when the angel of the Lord refers to Jesus as the savior, he's speaking a language they understand. 
And I think all of us in this room understand what it means to be rescued, to be bailed out. And this is what the angel of the Lord is saying. Hey, I'm, there's somebody coming. There's somebody in Bethlehem today, and he is here to bail you out. He's here to get you out of your mess. He goes on to say, who is Christ? And Christ is not just Jesus' last name, okay? So just so you understand that. Christ is the Greek word. It comes from the Hebrew word that means Messiah. So when he, we say Christ, it really means Messiah. And so when the angel Lord said, hey, he's a savior, but he's also the Christ, what he's saying is the one you've been waiting on, the one the Jewish people have been longing for and looking for and waiting on and anticipating, he is here. The one that you've seen prophecy about, the one that you've read about and longed for, he had showed up. And it sparks this incredible joy in these lowly shepherds. And I love the fact that God didn't proclaim it uh, from Twitter or Facebook or in the New York Times. God said, I'm gonna send my angel to go tell a bunch of shepherds. Because I think God's trying to tell us something there. In, in that the angel said it's for all people, he's displaying that by, by heralding the arrival of Jesus Christ to the lowest group of people you could, the shepherds. And he said, hey, it is for all people. And I'm, I'm proving that by showing up to you to share this with you today, that your Messiah has arrived. It inspires joy in them. We'll see later, and next week we'll share, but shepherds went, and they, they worshiped Jesus, and they went, there, uh, went away from their rejoicing. They went away from their celebrating because they knew that their Messiah had come. Their lives were changed because of the joy they experienced when they realized Everything I've ever needed has showed up. Everything is changing. And sometimes when we approach Christ, when we approach his birth, when we approach his return, when we approach church, we approach it in a way that's somewhat flippant. We approach it and we understand Savior, so he's going to save us. We don't have to go to hell anymore. Like, that's a pretty good deal, right? <laughs> um, okay, good. I don't have to go to hell anymore. But what the angel was telling the shepherds and what I'm telling you today is that when Jesus shows up, he is the personification of everything we need in our lives. That there is nothing we lack in Jesus Christ. And the shepherds understood that. And that's something we need to understand as we are getting ready to celebrate his birth and celebrate his return. That when Jesus shows up, there is nothing we lack in our lives. You might think there's something you lack, but truly there's not when we are connected in him. In John chapter 15, um, Jesus was with his disciples and he'd been teaching about the vine and if you are in me and I am in you and famous passage of scripture in John chapter 15, there's just two verses in John 15, 10 and 11 that I want to read to you. And Jesus says to them, this is what he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And you go, wait a second, that should have been last week. We talked about love. I get it. Hang on. Verse 11 says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So how do we have full joy? How do we do that? Well, he makes it very clear. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Now, this sounds so rudimentary in our faith, but if we know what God is telling us to do and we do it, we're going to abide in his love. Like, I'm almost shocked I didn't get shouted down with amens at that point, right? Doesn't it sound so simple? We read the Bible and we do what it says. Like, whoa, that's, that's crazy. 
We do what God asks us to do. We're, we're obedient. We see several times, especially in the Old Testament, God indicates that obedience is more important than sacrifice. He says, just do what I'm asking you to do. You don't have to make a big show of it. Just do what I'm asking you to do. And Jesus says, if you keep my commands, if you do what I'm asking you to do, you will abide in my love. Because when we do what God is asking us to do, okay, let me explain it this way. Have you ever told your kids to clean their room and 10 hours later their room's still not clean? Right? It's like, why didn't you clean your room? <sighs> you know, like, walk faster. I am walking. And like, they have no motivation to clean their room. You threaten them, I'm going to take away this and that. I'm going to, I'm, and we don't spank here, right? So I, I would never threaten to spank. Uh, I actually threatened to spank my 12-year-old the other day. I was like, baby, I don't care if you're 12. I'll, I'll still spank you if you need it. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so I don't care. Um, so we'll threaten, we'll coerce, we'll, but they're not, they don't want to do it. Why? Because they're not motivated because they don't understand why do I have to clean my room? I've got like five feet of clean clothes on my floor, like layered. Why do I need to clean it? They don't get it. So what I have to do is go, listen, this is the deal. You have to clean your room because they're going to be animals that begin to nest in there if you don't, okay? We're going to be, it's going to be like a hoarder's room in there. We're going to be like a path walking through to your bed. We don't want that, okay? Number one. Number two, we got company coming over, and we don't want you to look like a slob, okay? So, like, here's why we want you to clean your room. So we explain it to her, and there's times that she'll get it. And they go, okay, good. Yeah, I understand. And they'll clean their room, right? But if they don't understand why, if they don't understand the heart behind why they should do what they do, they're not going to do it. And sometimes we hear the word of God, and you hear a preacher say, you need to love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. And you go, why should I love my neighbor? And we approach loving our neighbor the same way. We go, okay, I love my neighbor, right? And we approach it the same, oh, fine. <laughs> and the reason is we don't understand the heart behind it. See, the thing is, it's not, that, it's not that I'm trying to rule my daughter's life. It's that I'm trying to help her avoid consequences from stupidity. Okay, does that, does that make sense? Because you might go, well, it's just a clean room. It is. But when she gets a little older, it's going to be something bigger with bigger ramifications. There's going to be more implications on her. So what I'm trying to do is help her avoid the consequences of her own stupidity by saying, here are some guidelines to live by. Here are here is some boundaries to, to walk in. And what the Bible does for us is it lays out some boundaries. And people will go, well, it's confining. And God's just trying to tell me how to live my life. And, and why should it be wrong for me to do this or this or this or this? What we don't understand is that God's not trying to crush us and, and make us conform to his action because he's hateful. He's trying to help us live a life that's fruitful and avoid the consequences of our own stupidity. <laughs> that's not a very eloquent way of saying that, but that's 100% accurate. So what Jesus says is if you understand that and you live that way, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my father's commands, because he understood why God was telling him to do what he was doing, and he took joy in that. The word tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He, he wasn't thrilled to go to the cross, but he could do it because he knew why he was doing it. And when we understand the heart of the father, it makes it that much easier for us to do what he's asking us to do. Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. He says, the same joy I have can reside in you. And the way that Jesus received it was by being obedient. And he said, if you want to experience my joy, you can experience my joy. And he says, I, I'm giving it to you that, that it might be in you and that your joy may be full. None of us would say, man, I, I want to be cranky. 
I want my friends to not even want to be around me because I'm in such a bad mood all the time. No, we all want to be joyful. We all want to rejoice. We all want to have that heart. How do we do it? It's by being rooted in Jesus and by having his perspective and by being obedient to what he's asking us to do in our lives because when we do that, we can have joy. I love the book of Habakkuk, and um, it is not a very popular book to preach from because most of the book of Habakkuk is Habakkuk complaining to God. And you would think, well, he's a prophet. He shouldn't have done that. But he was, he was cranky. Let's just be honest. He was cranky. So for the first, like, two chapters and then some of the three chapters, he's just saying, God, why do you hate me? God, why do you hate me? God, why did you send these people to conquer us? And God, you're going to do this. And, you're, you're, and he's all these negative, 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 and God's responding back to him. And you see this change in Habakkuk. And I love it. It's Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. This is what he says to close out the book. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the, pro- the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. What he is saying is we're experiencing a famine. We're experiencing a drought. The, the herds are dying. The, the fields are not yielding any produce. We are in trouble. It would be the equivalent of saying um, the, the <laughs> coal mines have been shut down. The uh, gas prices are at $8 a gallon. I lost my job. There's no food at the grocery store. Now what? And this is what he says. He says, in spite of all this, in verse 18, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. He says, the circumstances say that my life should stink but I'm gonna serve God and I'm gonna rejoice in the Lord. I'm gonna take my joy and find my joy in the God of my salvation. He said, God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He doesn't mean that you're gonna have like hooves, okay? (laughs) He makes me tread on my high places. What he's saying is just like the deer doesn't like pick its way through a field trying to figure out where it's gonna step. The deer is sure-footed. And just as sure-footed as the deer is in your life, you can be sure-footed and you can say, you know what, I'm going to be confident in what I'm doing because the world around me has fallen apart and circumstances look bad, but I'm going to place my joy in Jesus Christ because he is the author and finisher of my faith. That is where my salvation lies. So, so my job might be terrible. My wages might be bad. I might not have got the Christmas bonus. I might not have gotten this. My car is breaking down. All the circumstances say my life stinks, but I'm going to find my joy in God because that's where my salvation is lies. You guys can go ahead and come. The um, church I came from, we had a ton of interns. And one night, um, when I would preach on the weekend there, I would, um, at minimum, I would preach four times. So we'd had three Sunday morning services and a Sunday night service. And so um, I'd preach three Sunday morning services that day. And before the Sunday night service, uh, it was about 10 minutes before church started, and I was standing on, you know, near the front of the room, and one of our interns came up to me. His name is Marcellus, and uh, Marcellus walks up to me, and he said, uh, Pastor Mel, can I speak to you? And I said, sure, what's going on? And he said, I-, I don't know how to say this, uh, but I-, I-, I was borrowing Daniel's car, and I was driving through the parking lot, and I wrecked your car. I said, how did you wreck my car? And he said, well, 
I was driving down the, the wrong way, down that, the, the stall there, and he said, I pulled in to the spot next to yours. And I said, well, how bad is it? He said, it's, it's, it's not too bad. Okay, we'll look at it after church. So we went out afterwards, and I look at this car. <clears throat> and what he had done <clears throat> is he had pulled in, and he clipped the back of my car, but then he kept going. So it clipped the whole side of my car. <laughs> And to be fair, I didn't have a fancy car. It was a 2000 Nissan Maxima with 215,000 miles and hail damage, okay? So it's not like I was driving a Bentley. Um, but I still didn't want it to be wrecked, right? Like, I didn't want to drive around with it all junked up on the side. And <clears throat> when he told me that before church, I was like, Marcellus, why did you tell me you wrecked my car five minutes before I'm supposed to preach? Like, come on, man, give me the bad news afterwards, all right? Let me just focus a little bit. But I was like, you know what, I'm going to set this aside. Because you know what, if he destroyed my car, I'm going to be all right. Because right then I was frustrated because I thought, what are you doing? Like, why are you wrecking my car? There's tons of spots in that parking lot, but you parked right next to me. Like, I'm thinking all these things. But then I thought, am I going to let this rob my joy? Am I going to let him run into my car, which was really pretty junky anyway? Like, really, is anybody going to notice it's got huge hail damage? I could have I let that rob my joy. But I thought, is it worth it? Because really, the value of my car was not very high. So is it worth that to forfeit my joy? And something we have to ask ourselves every day is, is, is this worth giving my joy up for? When a circumstance comes our way, when we get frustrated, when we start to get a little angry about something, something doesn't go right, we can ask ourselves, is this worth giving my joy up for? Is the, the, the $4 cup of coffee that I spilled in my car, is that worth losing my joy over? Is that worth getting frustrated about? Is that worth getting angry? No, because your joy is worth more than $4. So what is our joy worth? John chapter 16 <clears throat> This is Jesus talking. He's talking to his disciples before his crucifixion. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but the sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. See, Jesus was talking about, hey, I'm gonna be crucified. And he was foreshadowing. He was let, trying to help them see, I'm gonna be back. You don't have anything to worry about. But this is foreshadowing to his ultimate return because we're sitting here and some of you are thinking, I have no hope. Like, man, this is hard. My joy is gone, my job, my family. You've got all these circumstances in your life that don't add up. And I'm telling you today, you should take joy in the fact that Jesus Christ hasn't forgotten you and that he is coming back. Not only did he come as a child to, to take away your sins and allow you to be in a relationship with, Jesus, with God, you can be reconciled to our heavenly father, but he is coming back for you because he has not forgotten you. He, he sees your place. He sees your anguish. He sees your disappointment. He knows where you're at and he is coming back for you. And when he comes back, you're gonna see him face to face and you're gonna have all joy when you see him. You're gonna know true joy when you see him face to face. Our heavenly father's coming back for us someday. So where do you find your joy? Is it in your possessions or your job or your family? None of those things are bad. 
But if that's where we're placing our joy, they're all gonna disappoint. Your kids are gonna mess up. Your husband is gonna do something stupid. Your wife, she's gonna, she's gonna get on your nerves. I guarantee it's gonna happen, right? People are fallible and we're gonna mess up. Your job, it can come and go. Your money, your bank account, you might find your joy in that place, but guess what? It can all disappear in a moment. When we place our joy in God and we delight in being obedient to his word, <clears throat> that's where true joy happens. C.S. Lewis <clears throat> said this, he said, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Where do we find our joy today? Where do you find your joy? Is it in temporal things or is it in the thing that is forever, that is infinite? God wants you to be full of joy today. And the way we can do that is having it rooted in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending joy incarnate in Jesus Christ to us. God, we can experience happiness. We can experience good things, but Lord, we can't truly experience joy outside of Jesus. So Lord, open up our eyes to that. Help us experience true joy today. Have your way with us, God. Now keep your head bowed and your eyes closed if you're here today and you say, Mel, I'm here, but the truth is I'm not really in a relationship with Jesus. I don't really know Jesus. Maybe you've been religious, but the truth is you're here today and you don't know his joy because you don't know him. You say, I wanna know Jesus. I wanna be in a relationship with him. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just put your hand up and say, today's the day, I wanna know Jesus. I just want to pray with you. Thank you. Over here on my right. Thanks, buddy. Who else? See, that's me. Pray for me, Mel. Just a few more seconds. You say, I I don't know true joy because I don't really know Jesus, and I want to today. All right. If you're watching online and you feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, I just want you to pray this prayer with us. Every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, I want you to repeat this very simple prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you took joy in dying on the cross for my sins. I'm leaving my old life behind and I'm never gonna go back to it. I wanna know you and I want to know your joy. Forgive me, cleanse me, make me whole. I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give God glory for that right now? Can we just give him a round of applause? Listen, if you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you said that prayer and you meant it, uh, there's a card in that seat back in front of you and we want to help you take the next step and grow in your faith and become a disciple and really get to know Jesus. And the, the way you can do that is by filling that card out, that prayer card. Uh, let us know you made a decision today. Drop it in one of our offering boxes. You can give it to me if you'd like. And, and we're gonna connect with you and help you take the next step in your journey and your walk with Christ. Now, if you would, one more time, bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you say, Mel, I'm a Christian, but the truth is, man, I'm not walking in joy. I'm that cranky Christian you were talking about and I wanna have joy and I need God's help with that. Would you just put your hand up and say, pray for me today? 
I, I need God's joy and I need God's help with that. Thanks. Yeah, quite a few of you. All right, let me pray for you. Lord, thank you. <clears throat> you didn't come just to save us from hell, but Lord, you came so that we can have an abundant life. So Lord, I pray today <clears throat> that the people sitting in this place that raised their hand would experience your joy and would know you in a deeper, richer way than ever before. And as they do, Lord, I pray for your joy to, to empower them to live differently. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't allow their joy to be placed in temporal things, but Lord, in things that really matter and really count. So Lord, I pray right now for joy to, to flood into the souls of the people that raise their hands. I pray you would minister in them and let them cultivate joy in their lives so they can experience joy in everything they do. God, have your way with them. I pray for obedience, that as they're obedient to what you're calling them to do, they would experience that joy. So Lord, have your way with them. Be glorified through them in the name of Jesus, we pray today. Amen.